Hi there, Peter Williams here. Hey, did you ever wonder how RCR is funded? Well, we're grassroots funded, which means everyday Kiwis contribute to keeping us on air. If you want us to keep bringing you the content, voices, perspectives and a reality check you won't get anywhere else, then please visit www.realitycheck.radio forward slash donate to make a difference today. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Monday morning means health acts here at Reality Check Radio, our regular Monday morning feature. And last week... Dr. Glenn Davies from ReversalNZ.co.nz was here with his list of, well, ultimately the 11 health hacks, his 11 top health hacks for 2024. We got about halfway through that list last Monday. And Glenn is back with us for the rest of it. Glenn, good morning again. Paul, thank you uh, very much for having me and it's fantastic. Okay. It's a pity we didn't get to all the 11 on the list of your health hacks for 2024. So I think we cleared number five. So let's go. Tip number six Yep. Um, is prioritise sleep and prioritise quality sleep. So, you know, last year we covered this as a whole topic, but basically the idea is think about your pre-bed routine and try not to be using um, screens in that, um, say, hour before you go to bed. That's me gone. Yeah, I'm reading a book, apparently, and there's some really good books out there, apparently, so I'm probably Talk, reading a book. Talking books? <laughs> yeah, I guess, but, you know, yeah. reading a book is is said to be the ideal activity um, yeah. before bed. Setting a um, routine bedtime and trying to stick to that bedtime, making sure that you've thought about sleep hygiene, which is, is your room the right temperature, uh, is it quiet and is it um, dark, uh, and then getting up at the same time uh, within reason every day, including the weekends. You know, so this big, long sleep in the weekends probably affects our circadian rhythms and isn't a great idea. Uh, coffee becomes a, a big issue, and people who don't metabolise coffee well should not drink coffee after midday. Midday? Uh, midday, if, you, if you're a poor metabolizer of coffee. Gee, um, okay. People who are, are, are good metabolizers, you know, that's not going to affect their sleep even if they're having it later in the day. Um, cigarette smoking can definitely affect um, sleep. So those are all just general sort of um, ideas. The main message is prioritize it. It's important. We, we wash our brain, brainwashing while we're asleep, and that's when we removed we removed damaged uh, cells from our brain and from our body when we're sleeping. And the body shuts down pretty well completely, doesn't it? Uh, obviously, the, uh, the, uh, the vital functions remain, but it, it, it's really a shutdown, isn't it? So um, we, we talked about this last year, but you've got your REM and your non-REM sleep. Um, so in your, um, in your non-REM sleep, um, you're actually reasonably awake or towards that awake end in these deep um, uh, REM periods of sleep, oh, sorry, non-REM sleep, I've got that the wrong way around, in this deep non-REM periods, you're actually uh, very, very deeply asleep. But you go through cycles about every 90 minutes where you're close to waking and then you go back into deep sleep. And is the the, the sort of like the full-on dreaming done in what phase, do we know? 
that's in the REM period, and you tend to have more REM sleep uh, in the mornings. So you probably notice you're more likely to remember your dreams and have vivid dreams um, in that period of time before you wake up. Yeah, And that's thought to be where you process um, memories and thoughts. So, you know, all these stages of sleep are important. Uh, when people uh, just sleep for, say, four hours, they're probably getting more of that deep REM sleep uh, on non-REM sleep, but less of the REM sleep, so it may affect um, memory and cognition. So, yeah. Okay, so sleep is medicine. Take it seriously. Oh, I think we're on to something that you've tried once or twice now. We talked about it, and then I remember just before we wound up for the year, you mentioned that you'd given it a go, and that's cold water immersion. And- yes, I'm I'm actually a fan. I'm a complete convert uh so um, I remember when um, Professor Grant Schofield offered me his ice bath, I um, I said, no, no, I'd rather have poor mental health than get in that thing. I'm, yeah. I'm now a convert, and if he offers it to me again, I'll give it a try. I've just been swimming every morning with a, a few exceptions in Lake Taupo, and in fairness, it's not actually that cold. It's about 20 degrees. Um, sometimes... I think it was yesterday, the air temperature got down to five degrees here in uh, Taupo in the morning. So, you know, it can it can get uh, cold, uh, the air temperature, but 20 degrees. But I think just the, the fact that you get in the water, you get that initial shock, you cool the body down. Spending three minutes in there seems to be about ideal. You don't have to go as far as having a nice bath. And if you don't have this beautiful body of crystal clear, clear water on your doorstep, then... Um, turning your shower onto cold. So what's actually going on there? Because it's quite a big, I, I would imagine, quite an energy exchange because it's going to rip heat out of you, number one, right? So what is actually happening there, do you think? Yeah, so so two things, or maybe maybe three important things. So one is we turn white fat into brown fat. Uh, brown fat is metabolically active fat. So anyone who's wanting to lose weight, this is a really, really good technique for turning fat storage cells into metabolically active fat-burning cells. So that's number one. Number two, it increases the number of mitochondria, the little energy-producing batteries inside every cell. It increases them, so you're going to be burning more calories even when you're resting. So, So that's number two. And the overall concept here is called hormesis. So the idea of hormesis is like when you go to the gym and you do a biceps curl, you're breaking down the muscle, but when it rebuilds, it rebuilds stronger. When you are indulging in cold water immersion, you're actually creating a hormetic effect so that you're resetting your immune system, you're resetting your nervous system, uh, you're resetting your stress response so that you function better during the day. And my my big observation is my mental clarity has improved since I've been doing the cold water immersion. So wow. that, yep. that's the biggest benefit uh, for me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so give it a go. All right. Is that um, – okay, let's uh, move on from that. And sort of the opposite, <laughs> um, and that is um, – and we talked about it sort of briefly when we started, sunlight, sunlight. Yeah. So sunlight, so the whole idea is around um, vitamin D. And 
people aren't getting enough vitamin uh, D, particularly in the winter. And I think a large proportion of New Zealanders uh, are vitamin D deficient. This is particularly a risk if you have highly pigmented skin uh, and you tend to be inside. So the big message is get some sunlight, uh, the right amount. And if you're unable to get sunlight, say you're inside an office, then taking a vitamin D uh, supplement is advised. I heard someone say, I can't remember who it was, in relation to vitamin D and uh, obesity, because uh, that was one of the uh, comorbidities for COVID and probably is a comorbidity for other things. And that is that um, uh, fat cells steal the vitamin D and store it and don't you, you don't get it in your system. So the more fat cells you have, the less, and and it becomes incredibly less efficient your uptake of vitamin D is, and that could explain why there are those comorbidities. Uh, I I haven't personally seen that um, that science, but it sounds entirely feasible. Yeah. I think the main way to think about vitamin D is in terms of its ability to switch genes on and off. Yeah, know, that's yeah. epigenetic functions. So. You know, we have our genes, but really what's important is whether the gene is switched on or off. So if it's a, a cancer gene, is yep. that cancer gene switched on and off? And that's that's how I think of the main function of, of vitamin D. And you want to have enough to make sure that the genes that are supposed to be on are on and the genes that are supposed to be off are off. And that's why I make sure I have um, vitamin D a small amount uh, in the summer and a larger amount in the winter. Yeah, yep. got it. All right, anything more to say about that before we get, get on um, to the next? We've, we've done a whole program on vitamin D, so there's plenty more to say, but yeah, people um, can go we'll and move on for that. Yep, okay, so I'm sure we're heading towards some sort of mental health yeah. uh, topic, are we? Yeah, so prioritise mental health. I think we're at number nine. Um, I'm not sure if um, by listing about seven or eight, and eight things here, I've got 19 health hacks, but... Um, I've called it prioritize your mental well-being and massive topic, but social connectedness is really important and loneliness is perhaps one of the greatest risks to health. Uh, So making the effort to connect with people, but I guess it works the other way as well. You know, if you have neighbors or uh, friends that you haven't spoken to or seen for a while, then making the effort just to go and say hello to your elderly neighbor. Yeah, um, you know, yeah. give give your mum a call. Um, give your mum. Yeah. A call. So social connectedness, mindfulness. Mindfulness just means paying attention to the thing that you're doing. Uh, so when you're cleaning your teeth, you're actually paying attention to cleaning your teeth. And when you're peeling the vegetables uh, from your own garden, um, pay yeah. attention to that. You know, that's that's what mindfulness uh, means. And we are so into multitasking uh, that we've forgotten how to be mindful and we can't multitask. It's a myth. We, um, we're just not paying attention to the thing that we're doing and we're watching the TV or watching our phone. Um, another um, description of that could be just living in the moment. Perfect. Wonderful. And people living in more traditional settings are far better at living in the moment than we are in our busy Western world. Yeah. What else have you got under mental well-being? 
I've got know your why, know your your reason for being, know what's important to you. When you know your why, your values are clear and then your actions reflect your values. So know your why is, is really important and that creates meaning and purpose in your life. So I think this is particularly an issue for people uh, when they retire. Does does their life lose meaning and purpose? And I really encourage people in the period of time before they retire to to think about these questions to make sure that that you know it may be thirty or forty years post retirement that that still has meaning and purpose. Yeah, um, I think a lot of people um, struggle to find some well, yeah, meaning in their lives when it's so repetitive you get up you go to work you know um maybe gone are the days you'd spend uh, a whole lifetime in one workplace or one career but that repetition and nothing really changing too much can grind the meaning out of things yeah and um i'm not going to remember the name of the the australian um movie you might remember it but it was a a guy whose job was to um, transport the portaloos. Uh, rings a bell. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and, know, I, don't, and, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. You know, most people would consider that to be a uh, undesirable job, but he he created or had there was so much meaning and purpose in what he did. He took the job so seriously, and he made sure that every toilet was impeccably clean. You know, and I went. Yeah, even even if your job is not the dream job, doing it as well as you possibly can creates meaning and purpose. Yeah. We certainly need to be active doing things as humans, don't we? We really we have to do. be able to fill our time. What else yep. you got under that uh, heading? I got continuous learning, and, and there is not a listener uh, in RCR that probably uh, doesn't um, fulfill that uh, continuous learning. I'd agree, yep. Um, and I think that's really important for keeping your brain active. Managing stress, I've got down there. That's, you know, it's a massive topic. And uh, I guess it's being aware of your stress levels and making sure that you have techniques that you can put in place to manage your stress. And then yeah, how do you do that, you know, to have some kind of positive outcome? I think, I think everything that we've spoken about, you know, the diet, yep. the sleep, the cold water immersion, the mindfulness, uh, making sure that we're nutrient replete. I think every single thing that we have talked about contributes to managing stress. Um, my number, my number one would probably be the mindfulness. Yeah, I, re I reckon that's a key. And then I, the last one I've got there is meditation and prayer. You know, I think if you go into any traditional society, that is a massive um, part of of their world but yep. we seem to have lost it in our modern world um it's interesting that you mentioned that i'm not surprised you mentioned uh, possibly they're the kind of the same thing one's more secular than than the other maybe i don't know you'll you'll correct me if i'm wrong there but one thing i've noticed about myself having gone through all sorts of um permutations of uh of uh, trying to work out uh what's behind this whole thing is I do say the odd prayer now. And I don't know who I'm saying it to. Kind of feels like it's to the universe or, or something or to the to love. I don't know. And I'd have to say on some occasions, I would um I think I'd be honest in saying that that I have registered a a, a comeback from that, a result from that. 
So in my mind, it kind of works. Just saying. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's that's lovely to hear. And I think what I've done a lot of work recently with people with advanced uh, cancers, and what I've observed is increasingly they add or develop or expand spirituality in their life, um, yeah. which which I found found fascinating. Yeah, I've been in that situation with cancer, and um, and. Uh, one thing that surprised me, because of course you're always afraid of of dying. That's the that's the default. But one thing that surprised me after a certain level of processing what's happening to you, and and at that time I thought I was finished, um, is that you start to become curious about what lies beyond, like seriously curious, not in an irrational or silly way, but in a almost in an intellectual way, and um, that surprised me. And I've talked to a few who have uh, experienced that as well. It seems to be quite a common thing. Yeah. yeah. So just saying that. Uh, that's a good one. All right. Uh, th that's uh, mental well-being. Um, what do we do next? So um, I think this is uh, my number 10. And yep. don't forget, uh, there's actually 11. Yep. Um, I... I delivered this talk uh, recently and um, someone said, you've missed out the most important one. And I went, oh, yes, I have. So let's deal with this one and then uh, yep. number 11. So I've got avoid harmful substances and activities. Yep. Uh, and and I guess we, we largely know what they are. Um, so we've talked about cigarettes. Yep. Uh, I think I would include vaping in there. We've had a brief discussion about too much coffee. Yep. Um, drugs are an obvious one, but... Also, prescription medicines. So the third biggest cause of preventable death in the Western world is prescription medicines. So yeah. there is definitely a place for prescription medicines. Please please don't think I'm claiming anything else. But the appropriate use of, of, of these medicines. And, you know, there are so many interactions, particularly when people get a lot of medicines, that I think uh, we have to be careful and we have to be judicious as doctors in prescribing um yeah and but i i think we need to be a little bit broader when we talk about addictions and i think you know we do need to think about television we do need to think about social media and i and i think that discussion about the appropriate use of social media and phones is important so there are there are harmful substance if we do it too much I think everybody probably knows in the back of their minds or whatever that at some point we're going to have to give up the phones. Mm. We probably will, um, either because they'll be too pernicious in terms of um, of our um, privacy and um, you know identity, etc. But also just the the time it takes out of people's days. Uh, again, watching. And it's no different from here. Being in California for that week and moving through LA and a few other places, everyone, everyone is on their phone. Every, mm -hmm. even in now on the freeways, because they go kind of slow. Everyone's on their phone in the car. Really? really? Yeah, it's like that is the new normal. I'd love to tell you a story, Paul. I was I was in Melbourne and I was watching people. I was in a cafe watching people walking to work. 
and every single person that walked past was on their phone. Yeah. And then I saw this this young hippie guy walking past with a book. He was um oh, wow. he was reading a book and I was trying to work out if he was just taking the Mickey or if he actually was literally reading a book. I I, I don't know, but I just thought that is a, con- so funny. a contrarian. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But but it is. It's it's so it's so embedded now, baked into behavior. Mm. And I don't think people can stand um, having the um, – or not having the activity that it produces, you know. It, it just sort of keeps you busy and it fills it every kind of second, you know. And it's around dopamine. All all addictions are around stimulating dopamine levels in the brain. And, you know, the, the memes um, are, are very – well, they're designed. You know, we started talking about the food industry and the bliss point. No, the the same thing applies in terms of the addictiveness of what's on the the social media content, um, and you know, like we could apply this to that discussion you had about cigarettes. Is there a, a minimum amount where the benefit outweighs the risk? Yeah. Alcohols and coffee, similar discussions. You know, a, a small amount of alcohol. You know, and we had that discussion last year. It's actually quite a small amount. Is yeah. is probably beneficial and smaller then it than people negative. think. Less yeah. than people so, think. Yeah. You know, I think the same probably applies to social media. Um, and it, it's all about the amount that we use with, with all of these substances. Yeah, but yeah. if society sort of chains you to them because you can't do business without them, then um, that, that adds a, another degree of difficulty in trying to manage your interface with them and how much time you're on them. I mean, if you can't buy anything without using them. I went into Walmart they don't take cash anymore. Interesting, eh? Yeah. Sorry, we're, we're not a cash store anymore. And I noticed that most people were buying um, or, or transacting by holding their phones over the, um, yeah, you know, the the terminal or whatever. Um, I thought, okay, I see where it's going, you know. Um, yeah, I don't know how to do that yet. I, I've never done that. I, I don't think my phone does that. It's the young who know how to do that, Glenn. <laughs> it's the young. But, you know, um, yeah, you can't buy stuff. You could have, you know, like 100K in cash there. They're still not going to sell you anything. Isn't that interesting? I wonder, I wonder at what point you could um, start putting down notes for something that was worth $10 um, to when they'd go, yeah, okay. <laughs> Would yeah. it be $100? <laughs> well, it might be um, because it's not um, with the policy of the store. You may never get there, you know. be an interesting experiment. Yeah. Hey, um, and I forgot the one that I've forgotten that the, the number 11 in the uh, health hacks for the new year, um, it's fasting and intermittent fasting. Ah, you know, okay. yeah. I, I think it's a, you know, this idea that we should be eating three to six meals a day. I, I don't know where it came from and I don't know when it got introduced, but it's an artificial idea. You know, we should be, I guess, eating when we're hungry. But I suspect that two meals or one meal a day, and for some people three meals a day, you know, is is probably the, the norm. And a lot of people that I interact with have one or two meals a day, and yeah. that's, that's become their norm. So I think as a basic rule, eat if you're hungry, but if you wake up and it's breakfast time and you're not hungry, then don't eat. You know, yeah. you don't need yeah. to. No. Um, and then that's the idea of intermittent fasting, and we know that, all sorts of miracles occur occur in the fasted state. So we remove cancer cells, our immune system functions better, 
and then we build in the Fed state, you know, and, and we're all, like you talked about your observations in the United States, you know, we're all building too much. We're building too much fat. Yeah, so yeah. extending the period of time when we're not building and limiting the time where we are is, I think, going to create a lot of health benefits. And it's pretty clear evidence that the body in an evolutionary sense is designed to go for periods without consuming energy, right? Yeah, completely correct. And when I look at the amount of effort that a caveman would have gone to to get a meal, I do not believe they did that six times a day. I don't no, believe they were hunting, right. hunting six times a day, you know. So, like, I suspect, and, and, and I don't know this for sure, but I suspect when you look at the effort, the caveman probably ate once a day at most. Yeah, and probably um, eked out a kill over multiple days. The likelihood sure. is yes, yeah. yeah. Okay, so those are the 11 health hacks uh, from Dr. Glenn Davies, reversalnz.co.nz to start your 2024. And again, uh, Glenn, I remember something you said uh, last year. Um, um, lifespan is one thing, but health span is another, right? Yeah, exactly. And we are living longer, but that last decade for a lot of people in the Western world is filled with very poor health. What we want to see is that period of time where people are disabled or unwell or unhealthy is reduced, and ultimately that should match the health span. And so my dream is that I'm 100 years old, I'm on my neighbour's roof helping him repair his roof, uh, we sit down, have a, a long a long talk, I go to sleep that night, I'm 100 years old and I don't wake up. You know, that would be the health span and the um, lifespan meeting each other, which yeah. which is, I consider that to be ideal. And I would suspect if we could do the majority of these things that we've spoken about today, we would increase our likelihood of expanding our health span. Yeah, I think you're right. We could become one of those areas, you know, that the uh, Netflix uh, series covered. Well, they were blue zones. Yeah, but yeah. we could become a blue zone here. Exactly. And New Zealand is completely the right place to create a blue zone because we have a wonderful climate. We can grow enough food to sustain ourselves and many, many more people. Uh, and our attitude, you know, as Kiwis, we have an amazing attitude. I reckon we could make, I reckon um, together, we could make New Zealand a blue zone, and I would love to see that happen. Great to talk with you again, and uh, I'm going to be really interested to hear what you have to say through this year as we go on on RCR Breakfast. Yeah, thank you for listening, listeners. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. Loving what you're hearing? Well, the establishment hates it. And right now they're conjuring up new ways to try and censor RCR. To ensure you never miss a beat of the hard-hitting news you've come to know and love, make sure you're on the RCR mailing list. Get connected now at realitycheck.radio forward slash email.